Yo, welcome to the Smoking Tire Podcast. Hope everyone is ready to get down on this episode. We are brought to you by Dylan Optic Sunglasses, the official eyewear of the Smoking Tire Podcast. You know those awesome sunglasses you always see me wearing? Wear them when I'm driving cars. I wear them when I'm riding my scooter around. Wear them on my bicycle. Wear them at the beach. Dylan Optics uh, are unique in that they have the matte finish lenses. You only get that from Dylan Optics sunglasses, but the glass itself is really, really good. It keeps my eyes from hurting at the end of the day. We have really strong sun here in California, and so I use these things all the time. It's really important to have a good, solid pair of sunglasses, and uh, for the people who who buy them, when I see them at car shows and stuff, people just, they love their Dylan Optics. I'll, I'll never wear anything else. If you go to thesmokingtire.com, and you click on the Partners tab, there's a Dylan banner there. If you use that link and you buy a pair of Dylan Optics sunglasses, I will send you a free Smoking Tire t-shirt for supporting the people who support the Smoking Tire. So go to thesmokingtire.com, click on that Dylan banner under the Partners tab, and I'll send you a free t-shirt for every pair of Dylan Optics sunglasses that you buy. Uh, We are also brought to you by Beeline Coffee. Man, I drink this stuff every single day. I just ran out, waiting for some more. The Roasted Tire 3.0 is in stock. Uh, That's the one with the Countach on the bag. It is a delicious roast. Uh, I also love their Classic Roast and their uh, the Snapshot, which is the Espresso Roast. I do it up in the AeroPress. It is delicious, friends. Um, Beeline Coffee is just, it's coffee made with love. It's on the highest end of of micro-batch coffee, um, and, and the bag, the pack, Packaging is really cool. I've been working with these guys for like two years now, and and I just I love the coffee so much. It's so good. It's, the flavor is great. Use code TST. I'll get you fifteen percent off your entire order at Beeline Coffee. Code TST. You'll do it. Fifteen percent off anything in the store, big or small. Code TST at BeelineCoffee.com. All right, on this episode of the show, uh, my pal Donnie Calloway is in studio. Donnie is a uh, lifelong uh, vintage Italian car enthusiast and expert. He is a uh, mechanic, but to call him a mechanic would really sell him short. He uh, he does full restorations of uh, vintage Italian uh, sports cars. He loves rebuilding them, bringing them back to life. He loves a challenge. Uh, he also uh, does like pre-purchase inspections and stuff like that for Italian cars, but he's uh, he's quite the character, so I wanted to get him in studio to chat. It's Donnie Calloway on the Smoking Tire Podcast. What is up, everybody? It is the Smoking Tire Podcast. Here we is on a Monday afternoon. Donnie Calloway is in the house. What's up, buddy? How'd you doing, huh? Hey, man. How are you? How'd you doing? Try to resist the urge. Look at these screens over here, Donnie. <laughs> it's just me and Donnie Don't look today. at the camera. Zach is, uh, Zach is off in uh, Chuckwalla uh, shooting uh, some television, and uh, Tim is off doing his day job. Just me and you, Donnie Calloway. Very cool. <laughs> so for those of you who are like, who the fuck is this guy? Who the fuck is this guy? And who's Donnie also? No. Uh, so I was introduced to this man, Donnie Calloway, by way of Spike Ferriston. Uh-huh. You, uh, you are a vintage uh, Ferrari and Lamborghini and Italian car enthusiast, mechanic, restorer, technician. What other fucking word can I throw at that? 
I don't know. Um, There's no FCC, so the F-bombs can fly on this show, Donnie. Just fucking nuts about that shit. Literally. For, drives for, me nuts. Ferrari <laughs> underscore 1966 on Instagram. When you, you'll, you, when you get to the dog with a toupee, you have found the right Instagram <laughs> profile. But you will see pictures of many of Donnie's uh, projects, clients, and uh, good, good Ferrari shit. So thanks for coming down, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I was absolutely stoked. Like, get closer to that microphone, yeah. dude. You kind of have to like eat the mic a little bit. I'm sorry about that, but that's life. Yeah, it's totally... Oh, oh wow. now we see. Now we can <laughs> hear you. That's how that works. We have, we'll get the watch cam out of the way. Um, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, about Vintage Italian because uh, as an owner myself now, I can be in this club. Um, Welcome. And, yeah, yeah, I yeah, know. And I didn't want to make it about the Matt's, Matt's Dumb Kuntas show again. But, um, <laughs> you know, to, to myself, who is not an expert... And and to a lot of people who come up to me and they go, oh, dude, what it's what's it like to deal with that thing? And I go, well, you know, it's a little intimidating, but it's also mm. a little it's also kind of simple at the same time. So. So. All right. Where do we start? Someone out there goes, you know, man, these Italian cars from the 80s, they they all say they're more drivable than the ones from the 70s or the 60s maybe i'll maybe i'll get into a 308 or a 348 or a, t a tr you know where where if someone comes to you and says help me pick a car to drive where do you send them where do you start their height <laughs> their height and and, and their uh and their budget uh-huh so it's funny you should say it um in comparison I've got a 360 right now, uh -huh. 360 Spider. I've never driven one before. All my stuff is old and vintage, 50s up to like the 80s. And getting into the paddle shift mm -hmm. and, and mastering the paddle shift, there's like, I've gotten to the point where there's two versions of, of going through the shifts and the gear changes. Mm -hmm. It's an entirely different world. I know a lot of people understand that, but I don't know, going back to that gated gear shift. Yeah from the eighties is there's nothing like, there's nothing like clutching gas. There's no, nothing I know. Like and also it. the clack clack of metal shifter oh, of on metal gate is very satisfying. Yeah. And pulling, I don't know. It's almost comparable to a joystick going through turns and what have you. Right. I, I, <laughs> owner's probably listening. I took the uh, 360 through some turns. How dare you, Donnie? It's you know trying to think about it and trying to th to reason out the difference and to explain it from finger blipping mm. into lower gears mm -hmm. to reaching out and gear shifting. It's two totally different animals. Of course it is. But um, but on the Ferrari, it's it's as you know power to to wheel to road is just as amazing. Well, so with the three sixty specifically. You're talking about like second gen F1. The 355 F1 gearbox was a piece of junk. Yeah, no, don't even want one. No, <laughs> the 360 is the first one that's like usable. Yeah, where like okay, it feels a little dated, but like it's still it like it's not so old that you want to hang yourself. No, in terms of it, except for traffic. But you, <laughs> yeah, but you kind of still have to drive it like a manual in terms of like putting it in neutral by tugging both paddles when you come to a full stop of like if you're sitting there for a while yeah. or or that that sort of giving it gas to get it to engage the clutches like I just had the brand new um uh Huracan Performante which is 
I might say, quite lovely. It's pictures of it on my Instagram, yeah, and the radical. video is going to be coming out uh, the week that this podcast is coming out. But they have really figured out in the dual clutch gearbox of these cars, you know, now right. 15, 16 years later, past the 360, that that engagement in traffic where from zero to five miles an hour, yeah. they've made it feel like a normal automatic. And then when you start going above that, now it's 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 ripping off shifts really fast and yeah. that kind of stuff. But that that little bit of five to zero and zero to five is like the difference between feeling kind of old and dated and brand yeah. new, you know. And that and that's the issue with the uh, with the three sixty. I got caught in traffic going yeah. through Westwood, and it's like just miserable. You yeah, just pull over and take a nap. Um, but the clicking and oh, that's me. My bad. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. Clicking. It was just. Uh, it was miserable. It was absolutely miserable. Oh yeah, look, Malibu. Yeah. Um, I was it bills with it? Yeah, I was at bills with. I'm such a dick. I was at bills with two different Lamborghinis, two different days in a row because I'm a dick bag. <laughs> Only one of them was mine. But um, so your history with Italian cars. How long have you been working on these cars, Donnie? Shit. Late teens. And since since the nineteen fifteen, that's how old you are. Yeah, no. Um, Here's Donnie's shop. Out. Where's your shop at? Lancaster. Mojave. It's out in the Mojave Desert. In the desert. It's between Lancaster and the Mojave at a airfield that has these gorgeous hangars, and I just stumbled upon it. A client was flying me in to drop me off, drop me home after delivering a couple of Ferraris up in Carmel, and I'm like, oh, hangars would be a great idea to store some cars because I had kind of outgrown. The uh, the novelty and the romance of a old wooden two car garage. Yeah, because you know everything happens in a garage. You work everything happens in a garage. It's an American California thing. But uh, I grew out of it real quick. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a real business. Yeah, for well, sure. Well, yeah, and I'm doing six or seven full restorations on big real Ferraris. So how do you start? How do you start that? Where where does where do you back it up? You know, fifteen, twenty years, thirty years. Where do we start? doing that because you don't just wake up one day and have six ferraris in a state of restoration at your place <laughs> you'd be surprised i wake up and go what have i done yeah. <laughs> um be careful what you wish for the uh my father had an f- old ferrari that was in the movie the racers with kurt douglas um based on the mm back in the 50s got it for his 18th birthday for my grandfather um so spoiled rotten you know rich kid 18 years old, has his birthday present Ferrari, ripping around, and I heard the stories. I grew up hearing the stories. Ripping around, picking up girls, driving them up the coast, and what have you, holding the, uh, that's it, holding the uh, the uh, speed record from uh, L.A. to Vegas Okay, for like a month or two. Do you know what that was? He told me. I can't remember. It was some of got, you know obscene slow speed. It was probably like under seven hours or under. It was like four that. hours or something like that. I can't, four hours. I can't really remember, but I wonder if it would actually insane. be if you could do it faster than you could do it now. Actually, he took Pear Blossom Highway because I'd always ask, uh, how'd, yeah. you, "How'd you get there?" And he'd go the back way, the old way. That's fifty-eight. Is Pear Blossom Highway right? No, um, one ninety-eight or something. I forget. But even that road's all screwed up now. There's cops and what have you. Okay, so your dad had this Ferrari. So I grew up listening to the stories, um, and there was a Ferrari book in his library. And, you know, naturally I'm curious, Ferrari, I start reading this book, one of the first books I ever read. 
and it, it just at that impressionable age, it's like this is something, this is a thing, this is bitching, this is badass reading the stories and what have you. And uh, growing up in Hawaii, my dad had an old. 25 Rio Speedwagon flatbed <laughs> that he used for his business. Yeah. And we had beach houses, so, which is, you know, what you do in Hawaii. You get a cheap beach house. Um, and actually, I think it was the 30s, could have had neat, those neat rounded fenders. Okay. Um, and he's like, hey, go pull the head on the Rio. I'm like, what? What does that even mean? I don't even know what you're talking about. Here's some tools, figure it out, get it done. Uh, right. Cool. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. And I tear it apart. I'm like, oh, this is fucking cool. Just from taking it apart. Just like, well, you take it apart. You know, as kids, we tore shit apart or we built model airplanes. It's that mechanical yeah, yeah. put together, take apart. And it's like, okay, this is fucking cool. Metal, touching metal and that oil, everything about it just turned me on immediately. The, um... Fast forward, uh, I'm in Kona now. What am I, 18, 19 years old? Mm -hmm. I'm working like four or five jobs. And there's this old guy driving around in a uh, 66 Alpha Duetto that I recognize from The Graduate. You know, yeah, that yeah, shit. Yeah. And, hey, mister, you want to buy, you want to sell the car? He's like, no, man, it's my car, whatever. But I'm intrigued. I'm watching the car. He lifts up the hood. And it's missing its uh, oil cap right on top of the valve cover. Like, hey, you're missing. Oh, you can't find them, whatever. So uh, a few months later, hey, where's your car? I see him walking around Kona, Kona town. He's like, oh, you know, it broke down. Yeah, that's it. Broke down, gave it to the wife, and uh, but she'll probably sell it. You know, I can't get it to run. Gives me the address. I go up there, and this is way up in uh, the hills above uh, Kona, uh, Captain Cook area, and lady's like, yeah, get this thing out of my fucking garage. 500 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Fuck him. Fuck this car. <laughs> and I'm with a buddy and, uh, we push it. We literally push it. Here's the money. I'm like, I'll be back. Scrounge up the money somehow. Rob a liquor store and bring back the money. We push the car out. Can't get it to run. There's a, there's a condenser in the trunk. I don't even know what a condenser is. He's like, Hey, there's tools rolling around. Let's put this on and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Fires right up. We drive away. Nice. And I'm like, oh, Kona? Back in, in the 80s? That was heaven. Is I have it a like convertible. roads without people? Because now, now we go to Hawaii on One press stop. launches sometimes, and like the roads themselves are very nice. Sure. But there's just so much traffic everywhere that you can't go more than like 20 on the big island. It's like super annoying. <laughs> I can't even fathom that. Yeah, it's crazy. I used to jump in the car and go all the way down the, uh, down the Kona coast. To get a to get an ahi sandwich, yeah. and that was my trip. Go the upper road the and come back to the lower road. Thing ever. Convertible, just in heaven. Yeah, Be uh, I mean it, it is beautiful. <laughs> There's these roads that run along the coast are uh -huh. incredible, and even the one. What's the road that goes up the mountain? Like this road, the one that oh, goes the saddleback that goes through the two uh, volcanoes. Yeah, I did that many times. That road rules. Great, great road. But you're always stuck <laughs> behind some slow tourist in a Mustang convertible. Yeah, well, this was back then. I remember one time me and a friend went to Hilo um, in the Alpha and the Duetto. And this was before the volcano really kicked off. And a, a military helicopter, because they do military maneuvers, mm. military helicopter, 
is right there on us. And then the guys are hanging out going, yeah. It was just so fucking cool. Did you get like a soundtrack going on in your life there? It's like a yeah. holiday run. <laughs> no, that came later. <laughs> um, so, all right. So you fixed up an alpha. You have confidence. You made something work. Well, and then when does this become a job? Well, there's a part of the alpha. And it, the alpha is a thing. So beautiful car. I painted it. I finally painted it. It was a, a cream color. I painted it red under a mango tree masked it off with a newspaper and literally spraying it with a local guy's, you know, garage sprayer Mm -hmm. and watching mosquitoes just fly into it. (laughs) That's cool. But Hey man, this fucking thing is red. Now it's mine. Um, read the manual. It says you want to tighten, cause I want to start fixing it. You want to tighten up the, uh, the timing chain, loosen a certain, loosen the lock bolt and bring the engine up to 1500 revs. And then tighten it down after a few seconds. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let me just go ahead and do that. And well, if fifteen hundred makes it good, what will twenty five hundred do? Prompt. Gone. Bent valves. Jumps its chain. I'm like, oh, how could this happen? An event like that, and then having you know my uncle who lived there, big construction company, and his little lackeys were telling me, you get rid of that thing. That'll be the ruin of you. What are you doing with that car? And hearing stuff like that, you'll, that car will be the ruin of you and you'll never make it run. When I heard stuff like that at a young age, I'm like, the fuck I will. Watch this. So immediately got right into it. Um, had no tools, no experience. Went out to sea as a shrimp fisherman because it made good money. Specifically, really? yeah, specifically to get some money together to buy parts to build this Alpha engine. Um was stuck in Keho Bay under a Kiave tree with a bunch of boats, and I had very little money. It was more of the romance of being a sailor out at sea, going mm-hmm. through the Hawaiian Islands, which is a whole nother gorgeous fucking story. But I got enough money, and I'm asking, you know, the, the, mecha- the engineer and what have you, um, how do you build an engine? And they said, well, you make sure you put the pistons back in the same holes, the valves back in the same holes, in relatively the same direction, and torque it down and you're good. Okay, that'll work. <laughs> um, crescent wrench, a couple of screwdrivers, some standard and metric wrenches. I pull this engine apart under a Kiave tree. I have no money. It was right next to a boat ramp, so the yard was filled with all these old fishing boats. And I would crawl in these boats and go to sleep at night. And get up the next day and work on this is how dedicated and insane I was. And got the thing back together. It ran. You know, kind of burnt out on the whole Hawaii thing at the time. And uh, shipped the car to, uh, to L.A. And come over here, get, a, uh, get an engine rebuilding uh, class at Santa Monica City College. Find another dead alpha on the street, which is like... It's broken. Here, yeah. Here's the paperwork. Just, just get it out of get here. Get it the fuck off the street or yeah, yeah. tickets or whatever. Halfway through the class, um, get the engine apart, take the head with everyone else with their Cadillacs and their 350s. And like, okay, here's my head. It's like, uh, yeah, I'm afraid you can't come. I'm like, why? <laughs> well, they won't work on this stuff. Because it was like a double overhead cam. Like Lumen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, they don't do this. I'm like, well, what the fuck? I call up uh, Spiri Valve Works, mm-hmm. who at the time did all the race prep. 
Okay. The big valves, all that stuff. Um, various stages of race heads. Hey, mister, I got this head. I'm in this class. I need to have somebody build this. He's like, you're taking the class? I'm like, yeah. You want a job? I'm like, well, yeah, sure. You come work for me at night, and I'll teach you how to build these heads on your head. Really? I'm like, okay, of course. Are you kidding? Driving my Duetto down into Torrance, the Spiri Valve Works, working at night, and he showed me how to port and polish. He had a flow bench, how to remove and replace uh, seats, guides, cutting valve faces, uh, line-boring heads. I learned everything intimately. And he had an Alpha TZ1 that he and I then went completely through. So... <laughs> so wait, it, I, I hear these stories from people your age all the time that they <laughs> they they were the determined person and they show they just showed up and walked in the door or they camped out in the lobby of the agency or whatever right. shit that would be considered reasonably creepy to do today. <laughs> actually, um, well, there's another part to this, but okay, that kind of follows what you're saying. Well, TZ one um, is a is a lovely thing. Oh yeah, this is this is a deep. Pro, I'm guessing deep in the six figures today, if not oh, seven. Yeah, no, that's like a million dollar car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A million plus now. If you can, if someone would even let it go. Yeah. So, um, so you uh, you got a, you got a gig working at this place. So did you continue the school or did you just bail on no, it? No, I was work with this guy. I was continuing the school. I'm really getting the hang of the heads. Um, I'm really getting good at it where I'm just, I break them down. I'm doing it all the time. Um, and I really got deep into porting and polishing on these aluminum heads because you could flow bench it and see where your work, so you could even everything out mm. and what have you. So I really got deep into it. A couple of months go by and it's like, I'm in class. I told this story the other day. I'm in class and one kid pipes up. I got a job as the assistant mechanic at the Westwood 76 station. I'm like, uh... Cool, I think. Another kid tries to outdo him and says, well, I'm already got an interview set up with DWP where I get to work on the fleet cars. And it dawns on me, what the fuck am I doing? You know, no offense to them, but yeah, it's yeah. like, I'd shoot myself. You know, I'd put a shotgun in my mouth. Fuck that. This is not what I'm doing this for. Well, it's, you know, those are, those are gateways to careers, but that's well, not careers, a passion. Exactly. Yeah, that's not a passionate, <laughs> you know, pursuit necessarily. And unless you happen to be particularly passionate about fleet trucks. Well, yeah, that's a thing. She could be, I guess. Sure. God bless. could be that guy. Mm -hmm. could be really rich, too, from mm -hmm. it if you were smart. And, you know, I think to myself, well, what, am, what the fuck am I doing here? And I'm like, Ferrari. It has to be Ferrari. So I go to all the, uh, all the little Ferrari shops that I'd visited my whole life as a kid, begging to sweep the floor for free, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Like, hi, I'm in this class. I'm doing, you know, machine work on alpha heads. And they're like, wow, you know, you've really turned out to be pretty passionate about this. Well, can I work here? It's like, well, no, you know, you have no experience. I'm like, well, that's the idea. Says, no, 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 no. You got to go to the dealership. I'm like, they'd never hire me. I have no experience, you know? No, no, no. You got it backwards. You get factory training from there. And the, he barely finished his sentence, and boom, I'm on my way up to Hollywood Sports Cars. Which at the time was the, what, gray market dealer? No, they were the Ferrari, they were the oldest Ferrari dealership on the West Coast at the time. How old are we talking about here? Uh, 80s. Okay. So they, um, 
And they were hooked up with Bill Hera, who was the distributor for Ferrari. Mm -hmm. And um, so I wander in, and it's like, hi, you know, can I... uh, can I apply for a job? And they're like, yeah, sure. Well, no, I did this and this, and Bruno and Luciano sent me up here. I said, oh, huh. I tell you what, come back in two months, three weeks, on a, after, on a Wednesday afternoon at 4 o'clock. Okay. So I continue really? my class and everything. I continue working, and I show up, and he's like, oh, can I help you? I'm like, you told me to come you back at this time. told me to come back. Like oh well then uh, come back in a month and three weeks on a Monday. Was he just make? Was he just like making torturing up me. times? Yeah, no, he okay. was torturing me on purpose. Wanted to see if I was really interested. Mm. Literally the third time I show up, and meanwhile I'd become a Ferrari mechanic groupie. Mm-hmm. I'd wander into the shop and right about lunchtime, and they'd ask, they'd invite me to come to lunch with them, which I thought was like, oh my god, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm with yeah. movie stars, and listen to the talk and what have you. And so the last time I came up, one of the mechanics who knew me, I, hi, I'm here. And he's like, well, come back in. <laughs> this guy named Kavork just slaps him on the back and says, give the fucking guy a job already, you know? He's a kid. <laughs> Let him start. He's yeah, like, all yeah. right, you start tomorrow, fucker. <laughs> oh, wow, all right. Hell yeah. So that only took months of stalking. Literally, yeah, that was the whole thing. Yeah, it was an old, adverti- old Hollywood sports cars advertisement for a uh-huh. 330 GT. Yep. Very lovely. So one of the perks of that was... Uh, so did you get your factory training? Oh, yeah. So do they send you to Italy? How does that no, work? No, no, no. It had gone to Carson by then. So they, were, they had a factory training center in Carson? I missed it by a year. They were still what, the sending, going to Italy thing? Yep. Oh. They still sent it to... So uh, you, uh, you cannot come to Modena, but uh, how would you like a Carson? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, great. Wonderful. Um, so what, what, what are they training you on in their factory training program? At this point, we're talking about 308s and Testarossas, pretty much? Testarossa was, had, was just coming out. Okay. So they were breaking down systems, uh, Bosch uh, injection systems, um, gauges... You know, breaks, which looking back at the time was, you know, just this magical stuff, this black art. Today it's, you know, blindfold stuff. When you, uh, did they try and convince you at the time? Because it took me a long time and I never went to work for a Ferrari store or anything. But for so long, I thought exotic cars were made of exotic parts. For so oh, long. Well. <laughs> and it took a long time to realize that for the most part, that wasn't exactly true. In what respect? Well, it, not as, I mean, okay, so so maybe they used a, a certain type of alloy on their valves or whatever, but but like other shit like switches and light bulbs and seat motors and door struts and and basic stuff was just you know bent metal and rubber like anything else just under a a pretty skin to a point yeah um it'd be nice if everything italian used all the same window switches because hey cool (laughs) no problem yeah oh no this is a 19 you know 98 boxer ferrari window switch 88 well i'm sorry did i say 98 you said 98 78, 78 is what I meant to say. And it's like, they're special. It's like, okay, where are we going to find one? Don't exist. Yeah. And the replacement looks like shit because it came out of a BMW or something. Um, so in that respect, 
you know, motors are made by Magneti Morelli, but when you get into the uniqueness of what a Ferrari is, like, let's just play with the boxer, my favorite. Um, your favorite? Why is the boxer your favorite? That is the closest thing you can get to a full-on Le Mans P car, a prototype car, for the street. That really? is one of the most amazing, craziest, it, it, nothing compares to it. Really? Nothing compares to I it. I drove they, one a long time ago. I don't remember it giving me the fizzies. Ooh, you got to kick its ass. Well, maybe. Because it, it was it not my car and up. I was not comfortable <laughs> being a dick to it. Yeah. <laughs> Can I drive your car? Okay, cool. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Catch me. Um, so the aluminum blocks are a Nicosil um, uh, alloy, a silicone alloy. Uh-huh. Um, not Nicosil, that's the coating for things in the future. Um, I don't know. It's just. And Lamborghini's close, but they're not the same. They're two different things, and not to segue completely out of control. The castings, when, you, when I start to break down an engine, mm-hmm. and just one little piece, you know, like a mount for something that's been cast, a sand casting, I'll take a look at it after I start cleaning it up, and it's like, this is the most beautiful little piece of abstract sculpture that's amazing. And then as you start to build it more and more, or take it apart or clean it, and then put it back together and build it, it everything is as if it was just a work of art. And then you put it all back together and you get it, you know, everything, the specs, the tolerances, the torques, and everything moves in concert, et cetera, and does what it's supposed to do. You know, and you bring it back, and my work, which is serious fucking restoration, everything has to be just perfect colors, all the plating, everything just has to sparkle and pop as it did. You know, not with going out crazy over restoration. And then you fire that fucking thing up and it runs. And you get to the point, you know, not to get too, you know, self-promoting, but you get to the point where you're so fucking good or you strive to be so good that there's no multiple trying to start it or anything. You build it so the very first time you ever try and start it, it will fire immediately. You know, you're not waiting for pumps to prime. They're all pre-primed. I'm building two of those right now. And I can't fucking wait. Oh, my God. Why? But what, what makes it so close to a P car? I don't get it. The, for the makes the boxer that close. Well, they ran this setup at Le Mans. Um, I really don't know how well they did. It's just that they made these crazy Le Mans, boxer Le- LM cars. I remember the, fi- the BBLM. Yeah. And it's basically exactly the same setup. So you have your weight distribution, your wheelbase. You know, the rims are a little bigger, you know, wider. You need a better picture, sorry. But um, <laughs> when, when you drive these things, you know, I know you know how to drive. When you really drive these things... And it takes you, you know, a good hour or so to really get into it, 30 minutes. Yeah. To really get into, okay, here we are. Here's my line. This is where it will break away. This is where I can really get into second and third, what have you. And you go ripping in that car. Oh, my God. It's really quite amazing. I mean, I believe you. 
I'm sure you have had a go. I mm. one of my funny, one of my best Donnie stories when I asked Donnie to come with me to inspect a 355. <laughs> I remember that, uh, and it was a lovely little car. Actually, it was pretty nice. It was a good silver <laughs> car, but I think he wanted a, the seller wanted a little too much money for it, right? And so Donnie decided that what we needed was a test drive, and Donnie, I didn't even bother do- driving. Donnie just <laughs> took it out, and within full on earshot of the owner, fucking zing this bitch to red line and fucking one two power shifted it. <laughs> I gave the thing the full-on beans, and uh, we left my other friend standing with the owners. So I was like, oh, how about them Lakers? <laughs> I remember that. You we, got it. So you got to know how it's going to go. Uh-huh. Well, this BBLM looks good in yellow. Is yeah, that crash? That's a 365. No. That's, that's a 365? That's yeah, but nice. it's still a boxer. That thing is badass. Yeah. Jesus. It looks good in yellow. For some <laughs> reason, the... Uh, Picture makes it look like it has a completely blown out front tire, but I suspect it does not. No, I think the road is rolled. I think too. it's yeah, it's a crowned road. Yeah. Damn. Anyway, so if you had to pick a car from the eighties that was in something of a state of disrepair, you had to pick that car to restore it for maximum value in restoration. Where do you start? So you got to define for me, because I'm a weirdo, you got to define the word value. Mm. Um, money isn't an object for me as far as what it takes, if it's even my own car. You know, I try and do it on a budget, but it's like, okay, this is $7,000 no matter how you look at it. So I'll have to figure out the $7,000 and then proceed accordingly. Right. The best bang for the buck on a production car you know, the thing that's going to just keep you high as a kite and driving until you can't drive anymore would be a boxer for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. The second one, so 308s, 308s are great little cars. They remind me of what my Duetta was to me. A cute little car that can just rip tight stuff and, you know, it's compact and you can really run it and have yeah. fun. Boxer has a lot longer legs. You can really get into the speed. You can really eat up road quicker. Um, it's a little more comfortable because you got a little better, you know, a better body interior setup. Yeah. Um, big, nice, long doors to get in and out of compared to the 308. Um, and I had a, uh, I had a Testarossa in Hawaii, and I hated it. I was young, and I absolutely hated it because I thought it was a total front to uh, the boxer because it's supposed to be better in every way. And I just thought it was a big Cadillac. I'm like, you know, they lost me. Stylistically, it's mind-blowing. Even today, it's still really incredible to look at. And recently, I found, I pulled a Testarossa out of a garage in Burbank. It had been there for years. And word of mouth is, oh, this parts runner for the local Napa store has a Ferrari. And it's like, bullshit, you know, miss me with this bullshit. No, no, he does, he does. And he wants to sell it. I'm like, okay, come on, let's see what's up. Sure enough, this obscure house in this nice little neighborhood in Burbank, a, a driveway, when he pulled the Testarossa out, had like less than an inch on either side of it. Stuff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so pulling it out, and I look the car over, and I, you know, I call it my friend up in Carmel, and I said, I found something. What is it? Testarossa. How much? Like 60,000, 65,000 bucks or something. 
Like, okay, is it any good? Well, it looks pretty good. But just get the fucking thing, would you? We'll figure the rest out later. Like, all right, get it. So we get it. And I do a bunch of little cosmetic stuff and, you know, tune some things up on it. Fans had died from sitting too long, etc. And I start driving this thing, and I'm like, this actually isn't bad. Now, I'm a little older. Yeah. And I'm like, this is actually a really bitchin' car. It's far more refined than the Boxer. Yeah. So it's a lot more comfortable, a lot more creature comforts. The Boxer is, let's just go fucking run this thing. This is so weird. The last time I drove a Boxer, it didn't inspire me to go fast. Because huh. it felt kind of clunky. I don't know. I don't know about the condition of this particular car or anything like that. And the Testarossa I drove, I was like, wow, this is way better than I remember it being. The Testarossa yeah. was sweet, actually. It was really yeah. nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, they put the four valves, so it has all that you know extra technology behind mm -hmm. it. And... So I took that to, I go up to Carmel all the time. One of my, one of my uh, things to do, one of the things I'm tasked with is there's a garage full of Ferraris in, in Pebble Beach. And I have to go up there, and it's been a while, I need to go back. I literally have to go up there and drive these things because they cannot sit. Yeah, yeah. And I'll drive five or six different Ferraris a day as much as I can up and down PCH. <laughs> just like run so that it back sounds and like the, the dream job except i imagine it's equal parts frustrating when sometimes the little shit doesn't work right well no and it gives me something to do if i get to fix something it's like yeah i get yeah. to fix something but for the most part if they're driven like once i've gone through them they pretty much just they're cool yeah they just have to be driven yeah and yeah thinking about it now it's actually been way too long i need to go drive these things i think about this with my countach actually because the countach mentally makes a great like fourth car mm. you know and with the value of it and the importance of low miles it seems like a great fourth car except if you don't want it to be a pain in the dick you have to treat it like a second car not a fourth oh. car no absolutely yeah you actually have to drive like i find i'm like i'm committed to driving this thing once a week oh that's actually kind of a challenge for me no, like you, I'm busy. Yeah. Right? So, to, to, to plan out a, a uh -huh. and I'm not just going to take it to Whole Foods. So like, no. to plan out a weekly drive of this car is like actual work, and like any old car is that. But it's just become it becomes. You don't want to say a chore, but it's planning and time and you yeah. know, all that stuff that's invested in the future value of the car. True. Like my little white 308, I just took it on a 1,200 mile run. And brought it back, and it has these little issues. Team, nobody else would have noticed them but me. It's like, okay, I'm going to wait a minute. Yeah, there it is. And it's got the pile of parts on it that's like, okay, I'm going to change this, this, and this. And it's been sitting for like a month and a half. It's yeah. like, that I, pile of parts just got bigger. <laughs> yeah, I keep, I keep adding stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I should do this while I'm under there or what have you. Anyways, yeah. um, you took your contosh in the rain. I drove it in the rain, yeah. I applaud you for that. I did. I Nobody does that shit. No one does that, and um, it was over at uh, you know GTO getting yeah. that oil leak fixed, and and they fixed it, and uh, and I, I they were like, "Are you sure we can we can hang on to it until it stops raining?" I was like, <laughs> "No, let's fucking do this. Like, Absolutely, let's, let's see what happens." And it was actually kind of a zen-like experience. Mm -hmm. I sort of enjoyed it. Um, the defroster worked, and the wiper worked, and. 
everything worked and uh. nothing shorted out and it didn't get angry. And no, yeah. <laughs> so I was I was kind of stoked on it. I gave it a little wipe. It actually, by the time I put it away in the garage, it was kind of clean again. It was nice. Yeah, right? It was good. No, and, and then I had another really nice drive in it. But my question is, now that I'm looking at this picture of your garage here or your your, your workshop. My hangar. <laughs> yeah. Um, the 348s. Is now the time to jump on a 348? Oh, fuck yes. And I shouldn't say that, People but were, yeah. Well, you already have one, so it's okay. Yeah, I grabbed a cool one, too. What's yours about? So. I thought you, I saw another picture of it here somewhere. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, what, I, so what's it about? I get this call from some guy. You know, I, I don't know how I cross paths with him, but he's, uh, hey, you want to buy a Ferrari? I'm like, yeah, sure. What do you got? He's like, a 348. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Not to be a dick and say, no, I can't do that. Yeah, of course. Let me come People look at it. People have been shitting on this thing for like a decade. Well, there's a reason. There's a couple of reasons. And I thought the same thing. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do with this piece of shit? It almost sunk Ferrari. Well, it knocked him down a bit at the time. And so I go and I look at it. And it's like, oh, this thing is destroyed. This thing is. And I'm like, what's the story? Said, well, it sat out in the Mojave Desert for 20 years. Ugh. Literally, no cover, or it had a cover for a month, and it yeah, blew yeah, off, yeah. and just sat there, as you see it in the picture. I'm looking it's over. It's very dusty. It's horribly uh, dirty. Pretty dirty. Burnt. Could, could be a little faded. Yeah. Yeah, a little mildly toasted out. The leather yeah. had shrunken so much that it peeled and curled off the dash. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not interested. This is $5,000 car. He's like, oh, no, they want 30000 for it. I'm like, have yeah, a nice day. Fucking have a nice day. Yeah. And a week goes by, he calls me again. Well, they want to the think, think about it. Yeah. And so you want to look at it again? I think I, think I want to buy it. I'm like, dude, you have no business buying this monster. This will kill you. Can you say divorce? Yeah. Um, so I go back and I look at it again. This time I'm noticing, wait a minute. This car is all here. It's all straight. It has no miles. So I call up some other people. What's this thing worth? And like, it's a $22,000 car that we are going to cut up and sell as parts. Uh-huh. And for you, we'd actually pay you that. But otherwise, we say no to these things all the time. All right, fuck it. So I go look at it again. I'm like, you know what? 17, back and forth, 20 grand. I grab it for. Okay. Um, and I, I, at this time, I realize I'm buying a story. Yeah. I'm buying a thing. And unbeknownst to me, um, so I go talk to some Ferrari friends because I didn't really get into this era yet. I do all this old stuff. What's the deal with this? It's like, oh, Jesus, you got to do the chain for the oil pump. You got to do this. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And, you know, you can't find this part that you absolutely have to replace. And what the fuck have you done? And then they stop and they go, well, wait a minute. What year do you have? Like, I got a 94 Spider. Like, oh, well, you don't got to do anything. Change the belts in the oil. Wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on a second. What? Yeah, by the time 94 had come along, they had figured out all the problems. They were having major problems. Mm -hmm. They had figured everything out, and that's when, um, I can never pronounce his name, Montezumelo. Montezumelo, yeah. Yeah, had come in and said, you know, I'm changing everything because this is our dog, this is our pile of shit, and we must become Ferrari again. So... He showed up on this watch and on this model and completely transformed it. Hmm. And so it's got a single disc clutch. It has, and I said, well, what else do I need? Because I'm 
I want to do all this. Do yeah, I get to yeah, tear yeah. it apart? They're like, well, no, you just do this and this. I'm like, well, that's no fun, but cool. That'll yeah, be better. Yeah. So I'm literally probably the end of this week going to pull that engine, have all the parts for it already. And I keep reiterating. I keep rebuying parts. So wait, parts. what does what a $20,000 Ferrari actually need to get back on the road and look medium presentable condition? Well, this one, because it's got a story and because it's so fucking ugly and fucked up paint-wise and what have you, I'm going to do all the mechanicals and brakes, and I'm not touching anything else. Oh, then else leave it? All right, yeah, cool. Until it drives me nuts, and then I'll go through and paint it and restore it like I do. Well, that's that guy I drove, the Rattarosa I drove in England. Do you see that thing? I, so the, the, I know that guy. You know him, Scott? Well, we're kind of chatting now, but so, I, haven't, I haven't looked at his stuff yet. So Scott is in England. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, and he's got a little YouTube channel. He does Ferrari. He fixes Ferraris in his garage. <laughs> but he, he's got this thing that I went to England and drove. You drove this thing? I drove this thing, yeah. You, so you know this guy? Yeah, I went world. to England and drove this fucking thing. So it's a Testarossa that at one point he thinks in the late 80s, or early 90s, had the roof cut off. Sure. Not by Strayman. No. By somebody. And it was sort of jankily reassembled yeah he got it Looks running. Like it. <laughs> he got it running but then left the exterior condition uh exactly how he found it oh so he didn't okay. make it look like this he found it like this and then made it drivable that's a rat rosa so i get it now. i drove it and it it does in fact drive better than it looks and it <laughs> is you know i i think it's like the perfect um pub going ferrari sure like it doesn't make me want to go fast you know what i mean i'm certainly not taking <laughs> it bikes. to a racetrack or anything um it's definitely a medium piece of shit yeah but you know there is uh there is not a lot better out there for parking in front of the bar right everyone thinks it's fake yeah they're all like oh this is bullshit and then they start looking around and like you know, the dashboard and the seats uh-huh. and the proportions. And then you start it up and they go, hang on, that's a 12. And, right. it, and then they put it together that it's real and they go, what, what the fuck? is going on <laughs> with this fucking thing? There used yeah. to be a yellow Testarossa in Santa Monica that I've seen a couple of times. Every single panel on it has been hit two or three <laughs> times. Nothing fits right. And I'm like, this is a horrible version of a fiberglass knockoff. And I waited. The guy came out, this really long, sinewy, hippie guy, hippie-looking guy, mm. and he fires it up. And I'm like, "No shit, the fucking thing is real." Yeah, <laughs> it's it's um, it's it's a real good mind fuck when you have that happening. All right, so you're gonna leave that 348 mildly beatery, but working. Oh, it has to be mechanically perfect. Like when you open the hood. It'll be this perfectly restored, gorgeous work of art. That. I'll fuck with that. Breaks, etc. I will fuck with that. Don't be distracted by what I'm doing no. on the screen, Donnie. I know, I know it's distracting, but I'm trying to get background imagery and stuff, and it's <laughs> like, it fucks with everybody. So the other thing about leaving it that way is I'm a judge, and I do uh, Monterey. I do mm. the Pasadena show. I do uh, Aaron Weiss's uh, San Marino, the Ferrari judging, what have you. It's fun. Mm. So I'm definitely going to pull this thing on the lawn for judging. Just to be just that. to get a score, yeah, just to get a zero score, <laughs> just to get the ugliest car. What uh, what Ferrari that is depreciated and seems like it could potentially be a good buy should you absolutely run from at this point? God, right first version three four eight, early three forty eight, early three forty eight, because they have so much that can go wrong. Uh-huh. Oh, and so not that I get into it, but the three five fives now that I've got a three four eight. 
everyone says are incredibly expensive. I've heard that they many, many times. just made the 355. 348 is a bunch of other stuff, factory stuff mm-hmm. that was put together and made. So it's relatively inexpensive and parts because are right parts now Because parts were available. shared with other stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. The 355 is a thing all to itself. And, you know, I've not really gotten into one. Um, but it's incredibly expensive. So it's like, eh. I've heard really scary things about 355s. Like every, every, well, I mean, just looking at the maintenance of that one car I looked at, like it was like, fuck, those cars right. are so pretty. No, they're but gorgeous. The, but engine outs every like three years or whatever. Yeah. get it. Yeah. Having said that, I just pulled the engine out twice in one summer from my 911. So yeah. Twice? <laughs> uh, yeah. They pulled it out and they did it. They did some things with the exterior of the engine, but sure. outside the car, put it back in. And then 800 miles later, it needed a valve job. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a thing well, that happens. Those are really simple <laughs> to pull in and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing about that. Yeah, no, it only, it only probably takes like two or three hours to get the whole 911 engine out of the car. Maybe not if even that. Yeah. Maybe not even that. Um, but it was still like, you mean you, it, it has to come out again? <laughs> right, yeah. When you hear it, it's like, what? <laughs> I, uh, Eric at GTO said that there is nothing like taking my Countach engine out. He said that is uh, a nightmare of unbelievably epic proportions. Yeah. They had to buy some kind of crane to do it. <laughs> I didn't have to pay for it, but but yeah, included on the invoice was, you know, it was no charge to customer, but they had to build get some kind of crane to get the whole engine out. Like a normal engine hoist won't right. do it. I yeah. guess it doesn't lift it high enough to get it over. Sure. The, <laughs> I don't know what that, that's, going on. That's why I'll never use a uh, a cherry picker. I have an electric chain hoist. There you go. So everything comes beautifully out. Just straight out. Just back and forth. Um, you know, what is, you know... People are, be, you know, based on what happened at the markets this past weekend in, uh, yeah. in Scottsdale, it seems like cars under 250 grand were strong. Cars over 250 grand were a little flat. Yep. 80s and 90s are still on their way up. Yeah, which was um, nice to see, actually. Yeah. Did you, were you out there? No, but I kind of poked in. I definitely looked later to see the results. Yeah. And um, I have a really low mile, 4,000 mile, 32, yeah, 328. GTS, mm-hmm. it's like brand new. It's yeah. amazing. And I called around to everybody, David and those guys, to put them in the auctions. Like, well, we have one already. Like, oh, okay, well, fucking my fault. I didn't call early enough and get in there. <laughs> and then this one, they had like four or five each auction. I'm like, well, thanks. <laughs> there you go. Flood the market. But they all did very, very well. I can imagine a 308 and a 328 would, go, would be pretty strong right now. Because they're drivable. Well, they're drivable, and there's one thing about Ferrari value. You've got a car that is new, even to this day, I I imagine it's still so. The formula is they're new, they're great, they depreciate a little, but they're still right about there. They appreciate regarding, you know, what they are. Mm -hmm. And then they slowly take that dive, that nose dip, and then they hit their relative bottom. Testarossos were thirty, forty thousand dollars. Yeah, that was a lot of car, even then for that money. Yeah, but the parts were still really expensive. So you could, you, yeah. you know, you'd have to think about servicing a hundred and fifty thousand dollar car. Yeah. Now, a friend of mine, I tell the story all the time, bought a, a, a beautiful British racing green TR for thirty five grand. <laughs> he had it for three weeks. 
he blew the gearbox up. Wicked. Well, well now he needed to buy a thirty-five thousand dollar gearbox. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so, no, no kidding. But if the car is worth two hundred, it might be worth getting a thirty-five thousand dollar gearbox. So, well, that's the yeah. thing. Like the boxers, so they hit their bottom. They hit their bottom, and and to kind of jump on that point as well, boxers or engine out services mm-hmm. every uh, thirty thousand miles. So when it comes up to their service, they're not worth anything. They're too expensive to fix, and they sit in the back of the garages. Mm-hmm. Um, same with testerosas. So now these things start to do their slow ascent. Mm-hmm. 40, 50. At 50, you know, 40 to $50,000, oh, we'll better grab them quick. They're starting to go up. Yeah. So then that also helps with that the fluff. That drives the rough. The yeah. Rush, yeah. And then, um, and then they hit a they hit a milestone, exactly. and now those cars that have been deferring service start getting their services and coming back. And up. now you're gonna you're gonna get something that you're paying for. Yeah. But at that point, a lot of them come back out of the woodwork and flood the market. Yeah. Now this is something that happens over a year, six months, a couple of years. So they bottom, they come up, they peak a little, and then they drop down again. So about a good year or so, and this is all these models, mm-hmm. a good year or so, they're back down because, well, you know, the bubble's going to burst if you're yeah, all yeah. over the, It's like, no, it's going to do the exact same thing they've always done. And now they're shooting up again. Yeah. Literally. I found one the other day um, that needed some work, and it's like, fuck, somebody better get this. And I, I made some calls. I started shaking the bushes going, hey, this is something. And nobody was really into it, which is, you know, cool. But testerosas are pushing 100, 150. Yeah. yeah. People are starting to ask 200,000 bucks for these fucking things. I saw, I saw big money on a, uh, a, a, a 208 Ferrari, that little turbocharged <laughs> Italy only thing. Which is a total dog. Which I've heard is terrible. I've never mm-hmm. driven one. I've heard they're terrible. But just based on rarity alone, I feel like someone thought it was worth money. No. <laughs> uh, pass? Is it a hard, total pass. hard pass? Okay. Total pass. Unless um, you're going to take the turbo system off it and put it on a real 308. Now you might have a oh, monster. Oh, can you do that? Yeah, I bet you can. That would probably be fun. That'd be way fun. Who's that? Oh, fuck, remind me. Who's the guy down in San Diego? Steve Maxwell? God, I don't know. So yeah, Steve Maxwell, I think his name, built a twin turbo system on a 348 that I drove. Whoa. And he did, it It was nuts. Um, here, wait. Mal, twin turbo. I drove this car. It was batshit. I mean, it was, it was, it was like 700 horsepower. This is it. It was a challenge, actually. It was a real, okay, a real yeah. challenge. With and, the speed line rims. Yep. Real, real challenge, real speed lines. It was a very, a real <laughs> deal car. And he built this turbo system that when you open the bonnet, it looked like it could have come from Ferrari. It was really amazing. Sure. And it made huge power. It shot fire. Well, here's the engine. Look. Oh, yeah, that's gorgeous. Yeah, look, this is, I mean, you you are a man of taste. Doesn't that look that looks really like well it done. could have that's been factory? Beautiful. And look, he even made this plate that says 348 Challenge by Turbo. That's great. Which is actually. pretty rad. He had a, this guy had a really... Really serious attention to detail. Yeah, no, that's really and that's like. the artwork. Yeah, that's the people that really have the craft. Yeah, that car was. I should have fucking bought it. It sold <laughs> last year. I think. I think it ended up selling for. Look at the interior; it was beautiful too. It. Uh, I think it ended up selling. Here's the interior. Look oh, that's that. nice. Uh, oops. 
Uh, I think it sold for like 125, maybe 130 grand. That's I good mean, money. <laughs> it was a ton of money, but considering it was a real a real challenge with these beautiful seats mm-hmm. and the twin turbo system and the cage and the speed lines, I mean the whole deal. Yeah, and uh, it had air conditioning too. It fucking worked. <laughs> um, I like that a lot. Um, so okay, can, back to the consumer advice portion of this whole thing. So. 328s, 308s are coming up. Testarossas are coming up hard. Yeah. Um, What happened with 550s? They were up, and then they took a kind of a poo, and now they're going to come back again, you think? Yeah, everything will. Yeah. Um, I drove a 575. uh, One of my hangar neighbors had a 575 paddle shift, Mm -hmm. and that was excruciating to try and drive because you really got to, you know, you can figure it out, Yeah. but compared to the 360, it's like, no. I don't was want that, this. It was the 575. Was it old enough? You had to lift a little bit when it shifted? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah no, yeah. you have the huge click, yeah, clunk, yeah, clunk. Yeah. Definitely pull your foot off the throttle right. as you do it, et cetera. Yeah. I have, yeah. A, I have an old Vanquish that, that was like that. Um, yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> well, now it's a stick, so we fixed that. Good. Converted. 575s are beautiful, though. Yeah, I like the 550 because of the op- the bigger open mouth and yeah, the different headlights. The full, the full gap yeah. mouth there. Uh-huh. 550 with a 2B is really, I can really, imagine. really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, there goes, that, there goes the same formula. 550 started to skyrocket. Mm-hmm. Like, geez, just, just beyond. They went from 60 to like 125 yeah. in like a year. And now what? They've come back down? They've they've settled in like the seventy five eighty range exactly, yeah. and they'll be there for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Get them while you can, and then you're cool after that. Yeah. So, what do you think is the best dollar value for versus driving experience in vintage Italian? If you can find boxers still, bo- oh yeah, bo- well boxers are a quarter of a million and up. Yeah, they're really expensive now. So. And they did keep the it, same let's keep thing. it under two. Testarossa. Testarossa still. Because you get that beautiful fucking styling. And when you live with one and you start to play with one and you really get into it, like you really groove out and trip out on it, everything about it is really badass and bitching. Yeah. It's really a boss machine. <laughs> but um, the front track is, is narrower than the rear track. By a lot. And you can feel it initially. It's like, wow, what am I in? This is cool. Yeah. And then you get used to it. So it's like, okay. but No, the steering is very unique in that mm-hmm. way because the front of the car is so much narrower than the yeah. rear. It's really interesting. Yeah. I took one, this, the one up in Carmel. I took it through Death Valley. I took it on a four-day run. Mm-hmm. And I, again, looked for the most obscure two-lane blacktops that I literally had to myself going up through the Sierras and dropping down into like the Fresno area or whatever. Literally, third gear, fourth gear, third gear, just acceleration and deceleration. This thing was no radio. This thing was just such a delight. Every turn was a new rush for me. Every turn and every slow little bank and any little straightaway that I could open it up on, just the gear, once the thing warms up, the gear changes are just these liquid things. And there's nothing to compare it to hmm. the just the beauty and and what's the zen of driving that thing 
it's it's I don't know. It's like smoking a really good joint on a sunset. No, that's how I that's how I feel about driving my Countach in the on an op, big open sweepers mm-hmm. or on PCH or something. It's a very Nothing it's like a very it. zen like experience. Yeah, yeah, you used it before. Just yeah, the yeah. click click yeah. just right there, and that fluid acceleration and the sound. It's it's just such a high. It really is. I can't equate it to anything else. Yeah. Without getting totally fucking perverse. Yeah. Uh, so at what point, where's the market right now in terms of value? When, at what point right now does it make business sense to restore a ratty Ferrari? Is there anywhere in the market that that makes sense? Right? Like, if you could get, let's call it like a 412 or something, ah. or a 308, or a... Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, or a Mondial, uh, uh, a better, a yeah. better Mondial, one of the later ones for mm-hmm. like, for twenty grand. But it was like beat, like your three oh three forty eight. Like was it beat? It makes does it make financial sense to to bring no, that car back to life? It really doesn't, which is sad, because even in the long run, years, yeah. It's like okay, we're gonna put a twenty to thirty thousand dollar paint job on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I only paid twenty for this thing, <laughs> so now I have a you know fifty thousand dollar car where the best one is only forty thousand. Right. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, which was really sad. And in fifteen years, it may actually come up to what you spent on it. Yeah, it yeah. May or may not. Most likely, may not. Um, the Testarossa, so. Even a 308, but 308s are crazy expensive to get a donor car, you know, to get a dead car. Can you get a can you get a trashed 308 for under 30 grand? Not anymore, but really? there there's still maybe two out there. <laughs> two two total. Literally. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um or you can do like, you know, we did as kids or I did as kids. That's I think that's Aaron's car. Oh, do you, um, you know this guy? <laughs> yeah, it's got a 12 in it, right? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh, it has a little badge on uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. He put a fucking 12 in this? Yeah, there's a blue one with a 12 in it. Fuck off. Well, I just gripped a random picture, but okay. God um, damn. Yeah, he, in fact, he gave me all the bits he pulled off oh, of that really? car. Oh, really? Just sent them to me for postage. Really? Uh-huh. Fleo- um, classified of the week, Ferrari 308 with V12 power. Here it is. I got to see. Is there an engine shot? Where the fuck did he fit this engine? Jesus it's yeah. transverse. Yeah, no, that's not Aaron, that's not Aaron's work, but that's not oh his car. Oh my god, that's a tra- that was that was literally Some, shoehorned in. Somebody that's, built a that's mirror. Not very nice. That's a mirror. It's got a fucking transverse twelve. That's crazy. Where do you even think that would be out of? Looks like a five fifty or something. Had a double heart transplant. Can you see? Literally, two point nine liter, two hundred thirty horsepower. For oh, from a four hundred. Oh, he pulled it out of a 400. Injected, yeah. Holy shit. 400i. How about that? <laughs> so the engine was borderline free. <laughs> which is, is that, crazy. Is a 400 worth anything to anybody? Is it worth they, even? They, were, they got a little kick because everyone thought they could speculate mm. and grab them up and like, okay, I got this for $40,000. And then because of that, they jumped up to fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. And there they sit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yay, okay. The tire buying the tires just knocked my knocked me out of my margin. Yeah, totally. That it's a slim margin on those mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, for the speculators. Yeah, and you know, if you know, bless their hearts, but no, it usually it's they're too anxious to make a buck, right? Then for what's really going on. Yeah, what you're really trying to do is find somewhere where you can park money 
enjoy the car, mm -hmm. and then get more of it back later than if you just bought a brand new car. Yeah. Yeah. You absolutely. So many people ask me about investing in cars as a money-making venture. Mm. Like, I've been fortunate enough, like, where I've I've made money on a couple of cars. Right. But, like, if you took my time, the insurance, the fuel, the, you sure. know, all, everything into account. Right. It wasn't that much money. And I think that unless you're buying very, 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 very high-end stuff, you could go. Even if you are buying very, very high-end stuff, it could go either way. Some of these, these seven-figure cars didn't make their money this past weekend. What? Lusos were a, a million eight, a million nine, or that's something. That's down. That's down a couple hundred thousand. Yeah, that's down. You, so, so it's not necessarily a lock. But those guys, well, I would think, in my experience, and some of my clients, those guys were either dumping something out of their collection because, God forbid, that was their entire nut. I can't imagine you'd have a Luso as as, as your own as your entire thing. And if you're about to lose three hundred, there's no reason to sell it. Yeah. If you're that guy, right. Why am I going to sell it and lose 150 to 300 grand? Forget it. I'll just sit on the car for another 20 years. Yeah. Well, there was at Gooding, I think, there was a like a, a brand new LaFerrari. It had like 100 miles on it. Hmm. It was like a 2018. Right. And I think I think three and a half was the, the sticker yeah. price on a, a Perta LaFerrari. Right. And they, the estimate was eight to nine. And they pulled it because who the fuck is going to pay eight to nine? You, you make 300% <laughs> markup on a one-year-old car? No. <laughs> Forget about it. Forget about it. All right. Well, we got some questions from some folks. Uh, if you have a question about uh, if you're with us live and you got questions about uh, um, fucking Italian cars or whatever, get over to the Super Chat. We got to do this for 10 or 15, and then we are out of here. Uh, oh, some donations. Thank you very much. Carl says, uh, regarding pedal setup for heel and toe driving, it seems my brake is too far forward and I can't throttle unless almost panic braking, but I might be doing it wrong. Okay. Do you understand what he's saying, Donnie? Yeah. His brake pedal is too close to him, for, forward being close to the driver, and he can't blip the throttle without pressing the brake harder. Yeah. So, what Carl's actually saying here is not that his pedal is too far forward. It's that he has not developed the muscles to bend his yeah. right foot around enough. The roll. Yeah. So Carl, what you what the problem is here is either you are you're pressing the brake too hard to get a blip. So you're pressing the left side of your foot down too hard in order to get the right side of your foot to where it needs to be. Your strategy either is to practice using the right side of the foot without pressing that brake pedal more or to develop a different strategy where you use your actual heel instead of just the right side of your foot and bend it around. So watch the video that I made really? about how I made a how to drive heel toe and how Wicked. to drive stick video. It's got a, quite a lot of views. Um, so I would watch that, but I used to make excuses like the pedals were wrong until I learned how to move my yeah. feet the right way. And I'm not trying to shit on Carl here. I think it's a valid question, but my first advice would be practice barefoot. Take your shoes mm -hmm. off because you'll be able to bend your foot around and do more things with both different sides of your foot or without moccasins. shoes. Yeah. I have guys yeah. that drive with moccasins. Yeah. Um, but thank you, Carl. Aja says, I uh, really enjoy the longer off-road videos. No problem. Uh, thank you for your donation. I don't know. I, I've been doing these videos, Donnie, where I go up on trails huh? and... Uh, 
the video is like an hour long because I just run the fucking camera. Cool. And some people love him, other people hate him, but I'm glad Mr. Aja's here. While you're driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Countach or whatever. Not off-roading. I've been going like... Oh, off-roading. Yeah, I've been doing some SUVs and stuff, so I have an off-road trail that takes like an hour to go across, but I just run the camera the whole time. Um, So I'm glad someone likes him. Ryukachu, back again for the EV corner. That's electric vehicles, mm-hmm. Donnie. How do you feel about EV restorations on classic Ferraris? Is it a terrible crime against God or an interesting way to keep beautiful classics on the road? And this uh, ties into mm-hmm. the Jaguar is doing electric restorations for E-types. I think you can get an electric Aston Martin as well. Have you seen the EV West Ferrari? No, but I... Th- being a purist, I think it's an absolute sacrilege. <laughs> so here, oh yeah, I've seen that. So this dude, that's name local. Is, that's Malibu. Yeah, uh, that is Malibu. But this guy lives in in San Diego. His name's Eric. Yeah, I've who seen has him. This electric three hundred eight, and here's his uh, here's his powertrain. It's batteries and motors in the back. Okay, so if you're coming from a standpoint of playing with something electric, and you have access to a Ferrari shell, like it looks like he did. I think this okay, 308 cool. had a fire. Yeah. I think if you look at the original, it appears... Uh, and it's it, a two-valve GTS, so it's like, yeah, do what you want. Do whatever you, whatever you want. But how about in more, in more of a grand uh, scale? You're, you're anti? Yeah, there's no reason for it. These are, these are, these are works of art. Are you going to put a mustache on a Monet? <laughs> I, I actually agree with you, uh, although I have no issue with, uh, with Eric's Ferrari. I mean, he saved a car that probably wouldn't right. have been saved otherwise, and I think, yeah, it's a fun project. So if you're, if you're into electrics and you have an MGB, okay, yeah. cool. I don't, but I have access to a bitch in Ferrari. Fuck it, let's do this, and yeah. fuck everybody. That's well, the, cool. EV West builds some cool shit, and I think I, I drove an electric converted Beetle, and it was yeah. way fucking better than a. I hate yeah. Beetles. No, Beetles are no. shit piles, and they're terrible to drive. They're Two miserable. Novelty. And so, <laughs> like like a hundred horsepower electric motor in a Beetle, See, like with cool. AC, was rad. It was yeah. actually really cool. Um, and I'm not against uh, the Ferrari, but you know, part of the artwork of a vintage Ferrari is the sound and feel of the engine. So mm-hmm. if all those mechanicals. Yeah, Jesus. and also I do have an issue with Aston and Jag, uh, their classic divisions, selling you new EV conversions because I think like, yeah, like we as people should work towards mm. improving our planet and, and emissions and stuff, but the, the 150 DB5s in existence are n- neither causing nor curing climate change. No, not at all. <laughs> you know and I mean? they're not driven every day, and they're yeah. not disrepair, yeah. and they're actually almost all in Saudi Arabia somewhere right now. <laughs> I bet you one New York City cab driver does more miles than all the DB5s globally and, every yeah, year. <laughs> literally. Oh, easily. What was this? I think Joe Rogan just stated the statistic, and I don't want to blindly quote him, but it was from a scientist that said, um, one cruise ship running mm. for 24 hours emits as much uh, hydrocarbons as like 150. Th- oh, fuck. That's going to drive <laughs> me nuts. Hang on. Well, there's the footprint thing, the carbon footprint, and one of the smallest carbon footprint mass-produced cars is a Rolls-Royce. Okay, wait. 90% wait, wait, what? of them. What is so it? you have a carbon footprint of, yeah. of building and running, et cetera. Uh-huh. And one of the cars that was used as the example, and I'm probably misquoting the whole thing, was the Silver Shadow Rolls Royce. 
has one of the greenest footprints because most of them are still, still in use. Still on the road, yeah, yeah. And they're still being run. So you're still getting your payoff of what you initially did yeah. instead of a, you know, a 91 Toyota. Right. Well, it, it costs, it, you know, the emissions released from building the exactly. car are more than that car will release on its own if it's, right. kept, if it's kept well. Mm-hmm. So the Porsche 911, because they're clean cars, there's a lot of them still right. on the road. A lot of them drive a lot of miles. They're people's only cars in some places. You know, that's a clean overall package. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the quote was, the report is a mid-sized cruise ship can use as much as 150 tons of fuel each day, which is much particulates as 1 million cars. Uh, that is correct, and the reason for this is that their engines run 24-7. They're basically generators for whole yeah. cities. So, yeah. How about we huh. work on some restrictions for some cruise ships, or from shipping ships, maybe? Yeah, some they, commercial they went stuff. after the diesel trucks, thank God. Yeah. Um, alrighty then. Uh, MB is Frenchy. Why do people think exotics shouldn't be driven in rain? Um, yeah, I got a good one for that. <laughs> I mean, I don't think a lot of people think exotics shouldn't be driven in rain. I think that people, when they go to sell exotics, they like to put never driven in rain yeah. as a thing. I think sure. with the Countach, the legitimate concern was so- was shorting stuff out, actually. It was, yeah, it but wasn't. nothing happened. No, no, it was fine. Yeah. But in Los Angeles specifically, sure. compared to other cities, other cities have sewers and drainage yeah. <laughs> our sewers are on the street level yeah <laughs> that's true so i actually had to go through some standing water Wicked. to get home so that's really that was cool. really the concern <laughs> with mine but i don't have a problem driving exotics uh, like a modern exotic in the mm-hmm. rain at all do you no what was your funny story you said you had so i had a boxer for a while that i was going through and doing and rainy day rainy day um malibu I'm like, fuck it. And it's pouring. I get in the boxer and I just rip. And I notice, you look in your rear view mirror, I notice these these spins coming off of the back, out of the rear uh, wheel wells. Uh-huh. And then they hit this vortex coming out of the back. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Oh, shit. Faster, faster, faster. Get this thing going. I'm just driving by my rear view mirror. Yeah. So fucking cool. And I bump into Jerry and Spike one day with the with the boxer, and we start talking, and they get really excited. Jerry gets really excited, and he's um, and I said, "You you don't drive it in the rain or anything." I'm like, "Are you nuts?" And I tell him the same story. Yeah. He's like, "You're a madman." I'm like, "No, it's the greatest thing ever." So yeah, I you know, some fine. of these things are a blast in the rain. Well, you can you just drive with a bit of a lighter foot. I mean, there's a lot of you know. I, are you the kind of person that's constantly breaking traction? Like I, I don't drive with that heavy of a Mm-mm. foot, frankly. So it, to me, it's not an issue. Yeah. Although, you know, first day in in California, don't not, ha- do not drive. Yeah, it hasn't rained. You know, April to December, yeah. it hasn't rained. That first rain in oh, January, you don't want to drive your exotic car uh-uh. that day. No, no, um, it depends on the tires, etc. Yeah. And of course, dude, bro, throw your fucking nine eleven on snow tires and drive it all winter. You know what I mean? Do really? It. Oh yeah. Oh. Rear, a rear drive 911 on snow tires will be one of the best cars you've ever driven in snow. What a trip! My Safari 911. I have I have my snow tires sitting in my house right now, ready to go. I'm there. I'm putting them on tonight. Here it is. Boom! Tire Where are you rack. Going? Shout out! I'm going to Mammoth, dude. I'm going fucking snowboarding in my 911. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Hell yeah! Yeah, I'm going to Mammoth tomorrow. 
It's going to be fun. Sorry I'm not going to be here, but I got shit to do, fools. <laughs> uh, John Fig wants to know any advice on how to resist the urge to constantly switch cars. I own an 06 Z4 Coupe, but I feel the urge to get something new. I mean, people see the urge to switch whips as being a problem. I see it as an opportunity. Become a dealer. Get a yeah. dealer license. Yeah. And now it, now you might make some money out of it. If you like tinkering and cleaning, you know, you get a car at a good price, you throw a detail on it, you drive it for two months, sure. you sell it again. Yeah, you can totally do the flip thing constantly and make $20 profit or $2,000 profit or more. Just or literally or a flipping. little bit of a loss and have had three months yeah, had a in blast. a brand new M3 or, or decided that maybe you don't like Corvettes or whatever, yeah. whatever it is. I mean, you could, you know, you could probably continue it, a if you look into becoming a dealer. And I don't know where you're writing from, but or what the laws are. But if you're a dealer now, you don't have to pay sales tax. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Well, there's those guys that actually get into the preferred uh, purchase program, Porsche, mm -hmm. Ferrari. Ferrari really found frowns on it. Now Ford, you get in, you get something, you enjoy it for a year and you flip it at a, you know, 20, 30% profit yeah. on a two year old car. Yeah. <laughs> or you or look into one of these subscription programs that's going on right now. I think, I mean, huh. Porsche has one, uh, Volvo has one, um, where you pay a, a monthly fee and you can change cars within that family whenever you like. That's incredible. Which is pretty cool. That's genius. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I think, I mean, obviously, I'm going to say knock wood, you know, restrictions apply. Don't hold me to the legal right. jargon. But yeah, those are those are things. I mean, otherwise, yeah. Just change colors. Get into the flip game, become a dealer, make it part of your side hustle, your business, or go in on that with a friend, or, or maybe become a, get into a subscription program. And uh, that's our questions for the day, folks. Donnie Calloway, thank you for coming down. Follow him Wicked at cool. Ferrari underscore 1966 on Instagram. Uh, Donnie's shop is in uh, just north of Los Angeles here, if you happen to be in the vintage Italian car hustle. Yes. Um, and I also, Donnie's one of my favorite people to recommend for pre-purchase inspections. Thank you. In Southern California, in which you will, Always you will go to cars in addition to having cars brought to you. Absolutely. Um, and uh, anything else you want to promote before we get out of here, Donnie? Promotion-wise, I like the uh, aspect of attraction rather than promotion. Okay. And uh, if people need help, I'm there to help. There you go. The whole thing with them panned out. Give me the money. It's like, no, man. No, no. If, keep it keep If it you cool. have a question about vintage Italian, Donnie is here to help. Send him a message on Instagram. Ferrari underscore 1966. All right. I'm going to Mammoth. Wicked. I'm going to go put snow tires on my car. Go skiing. And uh, you I'll have see. to come out. You have to come see this hangar of mine. I will. I've got some really is it off the 14 shit. Yes, it is. Maybe we'll come see it when I'm on my way up or on my way back. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's on the way to Mammoth. Yeah, we can work something out. Donnie Calloway. Right. You'll love it. All right. That's Donnie Calloway, vintage Thank Ferrari you. expert on the smoking tire Thank podcast. Uh, we are brought to you by Shout Engine. Get your own damn podcast at ShoutEngine.com. <laughs> it's easy. All you need is a microphone, a connection to the Internet, a guest, if you choose, and ideally something to say. Thank you, Donnie. Thank you very much. I get to quote much. the Big Lebowski straight up in this podcast. <laughs> and uh, all y'all, oh, you know what? I'm not going to Mammoth just yet. Tomorrow morning, uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific, uh, we've got the guys from Speedcore in studio. I'm recording a show and then leaving. Uh, Speedcore, they're doing those crazy carbon fiber bodied muscle cars that go really fast. They're going to be in studio 9 o'clock Pacific a.m. 
uh, 12 o'clock Eastern tomorrow. And uh, I'll see you all later. Have a good day. Ciao. Bye. Ciao, ciao.